Hello, this is Ed Gallo. I'm back from my successful venture over to Heavy Hands, <laughs> the Heavy Hands podcast with uh, Connor Rebush and Philip McKenzie. Been on there a few times. Every time I'm pretty nervous just because, uh, I don't know, more people listen to it than <laughs> ours, right? So Probably. I'm like, man, if I say something stupid here, not, I, it's not even like, not even that I'm scared I'm going to say something stupid. It's more like, I want to sound smart enough. <laughs> I want people to be impressed with my uh, with my knowledge. But, you know, true to myself, I, I don't prepare at all and I just show up. <laughs> so I have no I have control over how smart I sound, but I'd rather just wing it. So you're getting my authentic <laughs> self on those podcasts, I'd say, which is also what happens here. Sharam, do we do any preparation? Uh, I don't know if you do, but I certainly don't. And um, on my heavy hands thing, like I think it's been over a year now, uh, I'd pretty much just went on there and talked so i don't yeah. know if anyone does a ton of tape that's podcasting baby <laughs> <laughs> the hardest working men in show business that's right so uh yeah i guess go listen to that for sure um they're on patreon as well so if you're a patron of us and not them i doubt it but if you are <laughs> that's cool um go go help them out too because they they do the they're doing the same thing we're doing pretty much, but uh, definitely you know, more focused on on the podcast. And uh, they've been at it a long time. And Connor uh, helped me out a bunch, like right when I started. I, I'd only been writing a few months. And I DM Connor for for advice, and he gave me some good advice. And uh, now we're like friends, I'd say. So it's uh yeah, it's awesome. Um, if I sound any different audio wise, it could be two things. One it could be allergies. Uh, two, it's because I'm at someone else's house cat sitting and uh, I'm allergic to the cat, but also I didn't bring all my normal setup for my audio. So uh, it could be a combination of all those factors. You sound great to me. Oh, I appreciate that. Are you allergic to cats? <laughs> no, nah, I mean, I haven't been around too many cats, so I wouldn't really know. I think you would. Do you like cats? Cats like me. I mean, animals yeah, tend to like me. I, I it's can weird. totally that that checks out for children sure. also like me i don't know wow why. nice that means you've got great energy man <laughs> we knew that already you're a sweet you're a sweet guy looks like we've taken the end of each podcast and plugged it into the beginning of this one well you know i was inspired by the weird <laughs> intro to the heavy hands episode i'm like wow this is so strange um did people like this and I, I didn't wait to see if people liked it or not i just decided yeah we should uh we should be weird too, like the whole time, not just for parts of it. Sounds good to me. Yeah. Okay. Uh, we can talk about MMA though. Uh, that's fine. <laughs> uh, UFC two sixty one, that happened. Uh, but before we talk about that, I'd also like to talk about PFL because that card was beforehand. Uh, we can touch on the the one championship card that's happening right now. But I'd say let's go uh, PFL, UFC one. And then this week's PFL, and uh, then the UFC event. Is that a, a agreeable order for you? Yeah, sounds good to me. Okay, PFL. Anything that stands out to you? Uh, the death of Shaman, mostly. Yeah. Um, Brendan Lonane yeah. is pretty. I don't know how to pronounce his name. Lofnan is it? I've been saying Lofnan. I don't really know. I never heard anyone say it. It's just how I want it to be pronounced. Yeah, it sounds like something to be pronounced way different than how it's spelled. But Brendan. <laughs> um, yeah, he knocked Shaman Rise out and around. Uh, not a ton to say Shaman just doesn't look too great anymore, even when he's 
supposed to be when he's good. So you admit like, that he looks yeah. worse. It's not because he was always bad. He looks oh, worse. Oh, for sure. Shaman, like, if you beat Julio Arce, like, you're a, a thing. But uh, he is no longer a thing. <sighs> Sad. Sad. All right. He, uh, he was very cheery on Instagram after, afterwards. So he's still in good spirits. Not, we not, still love you, Shannon. Yeah, yeah, he's loving life. When you're that handsome, when you, when you look like that, you can just do whatever you want. But still shame on you. Yeah, yeah. No losing allowed. So I guess I want <laughs> Brendan, because we're on a first-name basis. I, I would like him to win the tournament now, just because, uh, you know, at least you lost to the guy that won the tournament. Um, then there's uh, Bubba Jenkins, kind of, well, depends on what perspective you're looking at it from. You could say he turned things around in his MMA career because that's the biggest win of his career. Um, and Lance Palmer's like, oh, no one, he's not going to lose to anyone in PFL. He's going to make $10 million just winning it over and over <laughs> and over again. Um, but he won. And he, he out-wrestled Palmer and he controlled him and he, he top-gamed him a bit and he rode him. And uh, I don't know, if you checked out, uh, I shared it. Uh, my buddy Richard Mann, he writes for Intermat. He wrote an article. He does a really good job with this uh, before a lot of big high-profile MMA fights with wrestlers in them. He does, like, really in-depth, like, historical uh, reviews of their college careers and their freestyle careers and tells you, like, everything. He digs up all the match results. It's, like, a ton of work. Uh, So, yeah, he did one on uh, Jenkins and Palmer's history with each other. And Jenkins actually uh, beat him a lot more often than than Palmer beat him in college. I was trying to figure that out Uh, before him. I'm like, this is hard. To get, to get these records like if they're not easily it's not like you're going to find one record of the entire season you just have to look at all the seasons that they were there and look at every major event that their school competed at and see if they met and like that is no I'm not doing that but yeah, it kind of <laughs> reminds me of like uh, Kyle going through all those old newspapers for boxing yeah, things oh my god dude just, that's that's why it's real. cool that MMA is so young because everything's on record pretty much exactly exactly except for street fights which count on your record they should <laughs> And gym fights, if you're 400 no in, in gym fights, that, that should count. But yeah, That's true. He, uh, so depending on your perspective, he turned things around, or he did what he's always done, and he beat Lance Palmer. And uh, yeah, it's cool. It's cool that he did that. Um, so hopefully he wins more fights, but then he loses to um, Brendan, because that's our boy now. <laughs> All right. Uh, lead still undefeated. Let's, let's just keep an eye on him, right? Yeah, pretty much beat the crap out of the other guy. Um, fun fight, but you know pretty dominant not much to say that's good that's good yeah. that's what you like to hear and then of course uh so you might have seen on twitter that ryan wagner and a few other people were very excited about natan schultz <laughs> losing and you're like what what is wrong with him like maybe he's a little boring sometimes but you know he does he does some interesting things he's pretty good nope he uh he won a robbery against rashid magomedov and they took that very personally so you know just wishing the worst on him in his career i don't totally agree with that although i think rashid is amazing and you should actively try not to beat him just you know not to offend us but it is what it is there's only uh, one person allowed to have that win yeah you would think like okay martin helped beat him like okay he it was grappling mostly no he like outboxed him in a really sloppy way right yeah it was like obviously held has the cardio thing but um Held him with a bunch of uppercuts, and he shelled up against the fence. So, decent fight. It was really fun. <laughs> to read on the whole fight. Yeah, pretty much. I didn't watch all of it. I watched a couple highlights. Um, but, yeah. It was... I mean, Held isn't terrible. Mostly grapply, as you mentioned. And you didn't get to leg lock him, which is where he's, like, mostly really good. But, uh, yeah. Magomedov has been avenged. Absolutely. And uh, now Held can go on and win 
the tournament because you know it's that's the best win you know anyone's gonna get in this in this weight class in this tournament so he should you know stick to it and uh, i've always liked him and we uh we spent some time on him when we reviewed the aca's lightweight division we, we spent a little time talking about him recognizing that he is good so let's be proven right and not wrong like we were about all the guys who immediately lost to the people that we said suck that was embarrassing that happened really quick um, <laughs> triple a is the only one who's really survived yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I guess Vard, but Vard also... Nah, that cutoff fight is kind of weird, but... Yeah. Shabli, but he's not there anymore. He's um, retired, basically. Walk me through the main event. Clay Collard, he, he won. Yeah, Clay Collard, <laughs> I think he pressure boxed the crap out of um, Pettis. That's mm-hmm. what I remember. I mostly just watched the, the end part because it was really slick, or uh, Pettis like, slipped a punch, counter-kicked him to the mm-hmm. head. Um which is something that Pettis isn't really known for, kicking on the counter. Like, I think Pettis gets stuck into like the Barboza mold, where people are like, if you do anything to him, he just kind of wilts. Which isn't necessarily true. We've seen, like, remember when we did the um, Tony Ferguson watch, yeah. where uh, Pettis was still kind of kicking him up on the back foot a little bit, and uh, punching off his kicks and doing some nice things. So he kicked him clean in the head, nearly knocked him out. Flying need him, nearly knocked him out a second time. Um, and Collard survived to win a decision. I don't think the fight was scored particularly well, but, I mean, Collard being the winner was kind of fine because uh, Collard won a really, like, should have finished him several times in the first, I believe, and then Pettis came back, and then Collard came back. It was, it was a great fight. I mean, Clay Collard going to boxing and coming back to MMA, you might think that he's, you know, a little bit less able to deal with a strong kicker like Pettis, but he did a good job, and uh, he's... a pretty decent fighter at this point. Pettis didn't look exactly prime, but he looked like himself at this point in his career, and Collard just beat him. Well, I don't know how to feel about it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I, I like Anthony Pettis, and I want him to win, and I also yeah. didn't really rate Clay Collard before this, and he, Ryan, Ryan said that it was actually just a decent job by Collard. So I mean, if Ryan says he did an okay job, then that's like you probably you're probably pretty good. Um, but then but then when I said that, he immediately pulled it back and was like, no no, like anyone smart would beat him. Like that guy will not let anyone be good. I swear. Um, I mean, he's probably right, but just come on, be, be generous for once. Yeah, I mean, Pettis is cool, and we talked about it earlier. He's gotten a little bit underrated at this point, but it's also the kind of thing where he's super deep into his career. Uh, past that Wonderboy fight, he hasn't been having the best showings out there. At, at the very least, they've been a little bit inconsistent with like Morono kind of rushing him early. Uh, Cerrone, I think I don't think Cerrone deserved the decision, but a lot of people think he did. And um, what was before that? Diaz, the loss to Diaz was actually pretty embarrassing. Yeah, so, especially because he outboxed him. He outboxed yeah, Diaz he, and then still lost. <laughs> yeah, he got like a kick checked, and everything just kind of spiraled from there. So. It's tough to say that beating Pettis means like a ton, but he's still kind of a he's a clever fighter who can still do a couple things and create offense. So beating him means something, for sure. Okay, so that that card was was pretty eventful. The next one coming up, we'll talk about it a little bit, but it's welterweight, so it's a lot less interesting than, <laughs> than the last one. But we'll get to it. Uh, so now UFC two sixty one, there are three title fights, uh, all five cards in the main uh, on the main card or finishes within two rounds, which is kind of awesome because pacing is usually awful, and this event was paced very quickly. And yeah. Not just, like, with the fights going quickly, but they didn't wait a lot of time in between each fight. Like, it, it seemed like the break was the absolute necessary amount of time, which was 
good. It, it was good. It was rough because I kept like expecting it to be the longer breaks and like went to process something and you know <laughs> just trying to get the like, do some work in between and nope nope they were just rolling right into it. But uh, let's just let's just go through the main card just to chronicle uh, how this happened. We'll just go fight by fight. So uh, Anthony Smith, I, I was still getting my stream set up at this point, uh, so I didn't see any of this fight. But Anthony Smith. Beat, beat Jimmy Crew and, and here's what I gathered just from hearing it, not being able to see it, was that Anthony Smith was jabbing him and Crew was kicking him, but then Smith kicked him once and then his leg died and then Crew was taking him down, but then his leg died again. <laughs> yeah, I think that's... Uh, my stream died halfway through it, so I yeah, mostly I, just I saw like it jabbing. wasn't reliable at that point, but... Yeah. It, uh, luckily, I think no one listening to this really cares about that fight, so if we mess it up, it's okay. I'm pretty sure nothing that significant even happened. I think when people say Smith was jabbing really well, they were probably grading on a curve. Um, we'll never know because I'm not going to watch it. That's also true. But also, <laughs> I wouldn't expect Smith to become an actual jabber at this point in his career. Um, it, I think it was a moderate upset just because Crude had been looking kind of decent. But um, Yeah, I, I was picking him for sure. Yeah, like uh, weird stuff. Uh, I think it was that peroneal nerve thing where he... I saw the uh, clip of the ending where Crute just rolled his ankle walking backwards. It was gross mm. on the stop, which was fine. So, it is what it is. I mean, light heavyweight is doomed to always be like crabs in a bucket. So, who can say? It's quite the visual if you've ever seen crabs in a bucket in real life. <laughs> you know, one time my dad took me fishing uh, like salt water in a boat in like October... And first of all, it was the coldest I've ever been in my life. I didn't realize like how cold it really gets out in the water once you start to actually go um, that far. But we were using crabs as bait, live crabs. We had them in a bucket, and we were cutting them in half to hook them. And it was just, oh, my God. So, yeah, that's how I feel about middleweight. It's, just, <laughs> it's about that unpleasant. Uh, so thank you for that. And then, uh, yeah, Uriah Hall versus Chris Wyman. We thought it was going to be one of those things where Wyman might do a good job, but eventually he'd pressure hard and scare Uriah Hall into killing him like he did with Anderson Silva. <laughs> but instead, uh, just the exact same finish from the second Anderson Silva fight. Uh, Chris Wyman had a kick checked, and then when he went back to step on it, his entire leg turned into a noodle. And <laughs> it was one of the most disgusting things I've ever seen. And it looked horribly painful, and Weidman's being a good sport about it. Yeah, not much else to add. Weidman opened up with a hard kick, and Hall just kind of lowered his level, checked it, and um, Weidman died, RIP. So it's a tough injury to come back from. I think Silva took like a year off and came back looking really bad. So It wasn't, yeah, it wasn't really like an exaggerated check, right? He just kind of turned his knee out, didn't really pick it up even that much. Yeah, like Weidman Silva too, the one that this is being compared to, Weidman like actually picked his leg up yeah. and checked. And Here Hall just kind of kept it planted, lowered his level, and like turned it out a tiny bit, and mm -hmm. uh, Weidman just kicked on the knee. Reminds me a little bit of uh, Max Aldo, except, you know, a better check, but the same idea of like, I'm just going to make my stance really hard to kick, and you're probably just going to hit shin yeah. or knee, either way. So, I mean, yeah, that's, that's legit, kind of. Love how we pulled some actual analysis out of this one. Yeah, we are not? the best. Why not? You, you started it. You explained <laughs> how he checked it. I'm like, oh, we're doing this? Okay. Um, <laughs> then uh, I talked about this one a decent amount on Heavy Hands just because they were like, oh, wrestling happened. Ed, you talk about it. Just you know, passing <laughs> off on me. Jerks. Um, but yeah, we talked about the wrestling. Almost all of what we talked about was the wrestling before this fight. Uh, therefore, we're very smart. And yes. 
basically it just looked like Andrade's entries were predictable. Valentina was able to get all the body lock entry, entries she likes uh, for her reactive shots. Uh, Andrade did try to get to the legs and did get to that single leg position against the cage and just showed a uh, horrendous understanding of how that move works. Uh, really, like, really poor lifting mechanics. Like, to not have a prayer in finishing that. And I, I broke down everything that was wrong with that um, as well. And Valentina's obviously bigger than her usual opponent, so it wasn't double not going to work. Um, yeah, Rose actually having that Kimura grip, even, I think it helped her slam her. Like, when cause she actually loaded herself up, uh, you know, on, on top, over over top at a higher level than uh, Andrade's hips, where Andrade was like, butt was back, back was round, bent over, just trying to lift straight up with like her arms. And like, how do you how do you expect to do this? Like, what position do you think she'll be in when you when you get her off the ground? You can pick her leg up, but you're not picking. It's just everything uh, was so wrong with it. But um, yeah, the the couple of times I can think of her getting like really nice single leg slams, uh, the other person did something to help her find their weight and this time Valentina just kind of stood there uh, with a good stance and you know, made it difficult for her but yeah um, otherwise it was just like the same takedown over and over again for Shevchenko uh, hitting that outside block uh, body lock I think she collapsed her straight over a couple times as well and uh, yeah every time that Andrade went to stand up she got to rear standing didn't know how to fight hands uh, went to turn like spin in to pummel and every time she did that, she stood straight up when she tried to spin in, which is what you do when you reach back. And uh, Shevchenko timed it really well and you know, returned her uh, with another body lock every time she did it. So it was pretty cool, actually. And then we talked about it. We did commentary for this one. It was the first one we commentated. Uh, when she was finishing her in that crucifix position, she used the Americana grip to create a hole for her head. Then she uh, put the arm behind her head and to trap it. She had both arms trapped, and that's how she finished it. So... We did a lot of analysis of this analysis of this one live, but I just guess anything that you that you want to talk about that I didn't say for this fight, and otherwise, what should both of them do next? Uh, I mean, I don't really know anything about the standings of women's flyweight because it doesn't exist. So, nothing on what they I'll should look it do up next. Right now. Do you want options? Yeah. Uh, let's see. I'll I'll do it myself. Um, I started. Andrade probably takes <laughs> a decent step back because like her entire thing is like fun destructions of physically overmatched fighters. So, I mean, I guess she could go back to straw weight and beat up right. Rose again. That's what and, I think she should do. Yeah, that's probably the best career move, but she might not want to go back down. Um, Andras Chukagian, Murphy, Maya. Okay, this is thoroughly uninspiring. But, um, you know, I guess she could beat up Jessica I or something. Uh, as for Shevchenko, I think people are saying Lauren Murphy is a contender, so I'd go ahead with it, I guess. Okay. Uh, there's nothing... <laughs> really compelling about it but i guess you could say that about like all of the 115 plus weight classes so like who cares um nothing to really add in the matchup yeah even in terms of getting in on takedowns i believe andrage got there through like the grappling where she came up on half guard and got to the leg so like she didn't really have a way to manufacture takedown entries consistently which is one of the things that uh, we mentioned earlier right like if uh, Andrade could get there, it might be a problem. It wasn't a problem even when she got there, but she also couldn't really reliably get there through uh, Shevchenko intercepting her in the clinch and uh, controlling the distance reasonably well, boxing her up on the outside. We saw uh, Andrade's head movement fail again because it wasn't really actual head movement. So, um, you know, Shevchenko just kind of punched her at will, check hooked her really early in the fight when Andrade rushed forward, and I think that kind of slowed her down. And, uh, yeah, I mean, Andrade is just so reliant on physical advantages, being able to just 
strong through everyone she fights at uh, strawweight. That uh, I mean, even Claudia Gadelia is super strong for strawweight, but uh, it's kind of a different game when you're facing a former bantamweight. So it's uh, it was tough to expect Andrade to do a ton here. The odds weren't like super great, but they also weren't unreasonable. So after this, obviously Shevchenko looks like a minus two thousand, and uh, there's pretty much no one who gives her a better fight. So who knows? Yeah, because I mean, she's perfect. How how could you? The most well-rounded fighter yeah, person. Most, most well-rounded person. She could run a Fortune 500 company. Uh, <laughs> she could do anything. Um, shattered the glass ceiling. And, she, you know, she is, she's ironically, um, like, in a weird situation with her sister and her coach. That's, like, they're very progressive. They're actually, like, a polycool. It's very, you know, there's a lot of consent. It's very informed. <laughs> And it's actually super progressive, and you, you just don't understand because she's on that another level. And don't ask about it. You know they don't want to talk about it because they're you know it's not cool to brag about it. But that's what's happening there. It's nothing, nothing disgusting or predatory is happening in that situation with her sister and her coach and herself. Very now that's a great segue into our next fight. Stuff. Yeah. It is. <laughs> um. Um. Yeah, uh, Rose Namajunas versus Zhang Weili. Uh, I think we kind of expected a Rose win to be fairly short, right? Because um, she's one of the better punchers in the division. Uh, probably one of the better early finishers. She's not like super reliable in terms of doing that, but if there's one person who we can say has defined early finish potential in like big fights, Rose has shown it. Um, but Zhang Weili probably had more potential to win down the stretch. It just didn't get there. So uh, Wei Li started kicking her on the outside early and then got kicked very, very hard in the head. Uh, tried to react to the inside leg kick, just got domed because her reaction to it wasn't great uh, and, you know, didn't really address the fact that the kick might actually be going somewhere else. Um, you should watch uh, Fenyo's video, I believe, based on uh, Snack's analysis of the finish. Uh, not a ton to say. It was a 70-second fight, but, uh, I mean, who's Rose going to fight now? There's... Uh, I wouldn't mind Joanna three. Yeah, she's probably, probably going to fight Joanna again or um, Andrade somehow. Uh, but if she doesn't, then we'll have uh, Yan Jianan, who is pretty fun, actually, yeah. and uh, Marina Rodriguez, who's also pretty fun. So uh, I like those guys, uh, those girls. Sorry, um, but Mackenzie <laughs> Dern, they're they're going to try to make her a thing. I don't think it's going to happen, uh, just because she did get a lot better, but she just like did so by becoming a professional fighter and taking it more seriously, but she still has most of the technical flaws that she had before, and I'm not that interested in her future, to be honest. I don't think she's... Yeah. Uh, I think Strawweight's one of those divisions where to be the champion, you have to be women's elite, and I think Dern is good enough to beat like, most 115ers. It's not that deep of a division, but the ones who are good are pretty good, and I just don't think she's there. Yeah, I mean, I think the thing is that with Rose on top, she's a little bit more vulnerable to the wrestling attack than both Joanna um, and probably Wei Li are. So, you know, as we mentioned on the commentary and even pre-fight, she's not the greatest strength athlete. She's not the best at wrestling nor under pressure. And we have seen uh, Mackenzie Dern sort of weaponize those traits, but we also haven't seen her show much defense at all. Yeah. And um, Rose can probably just left hook her once and make her back up. Uh, I think... It really depends on how they're going to manage Dern, honestly, because she's number five right now in the rankings, which seems, I mean, I guess it's kind of silly until you realize where Nunes was. Uh, other Nunes, Nina Nunes. Um, 
I mean, I could see them giving her a title shot if they really like her, but it's probably a winner of some fight between Yan Jianan, Esparza, uh, JJ. Marina Rodriguez, I believe, is rumored for a fight with Michelle Watterson two weeks from now. I don't know if it's official yet, but it was the replacement for TJ Dillashaw versus Corey Sanhagen. So, I mean, I guess that could be a, a fight that uh, does things for her and jumps her in the rankings. But I don't see a ton of great fights for her outside of uh, Joanna. And honestly, Joanna's... I don't know if Joanna wins the third fight, but um, I think it's an interesting fight, and it's worth making a third time since the second fight was actually, in my opinion, understatedly close. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah, I, th- I think I think it was a, a three rounds to two type of deal, um, yeah. and Joanna definitely had was was the one who picked up later on um, after losing early. So yeah, I'm I'm down. I'm down to see it again. Um, yeah, what else are you doing with Joanna? You just gonna have her fight somebody else? <laughs> you could, yeah, I guess. Yeah, they might do Joanna Dern, but then th- that means they hate Dern. So. Yeah, right. That's a bad matchup. So <laughs> I think they'd rather just. G- I I feel like at that point her contract probably has some language about. Her getting an amount of title shots depending on whatever. <laughs> I, I, I'm serious. I think some of these people actually have that, those types of contracts. I mean, I could actually see them doing a Joanna Esparza too, just to be mean and like actually get her a win <laughs> before going into Nama Yunus. Have Dern and uh, Esparza fought before? I don't believe so. That could be like a sneakily interesting fight mm-hmm. for Dern. Yeah, that's a good test. All right, so cool. That division could could be interesting for a little bit. Yeah. Let's watch all this play out. Um, and Zhang Weili will obviously be back and be a contender as well after she's recovered, but let's just consider her out for um, six months to a year. Cool. Yeah, that was a nasty knockout. Mm-hmm. Uh, the main event so like, was nastier. Yeah. For sure. That was uh, ridiculous. Yeah, so Kamara Usman rematch against Jorge Masvidal. There was really nothing that uh, Usman could do to make Masvidal like, a better win necessarily. But uh, the performance was really good, uh, much more comprehensive than the first one. I think we mentioned this on the commentary, but Masvidal's approach was a little bit suspect. Do you agree? Yeah. Um, it, it's hard It's hard to put my finger on it, but on heavy hands, we said this was kind of classic Masvidal and that he kind of let the fight come to him and wanted to just be better. Uh, and, and just exist over five rounds and, and find his advantages and take his time and, and work his way into it. The the franticness, the pace of the first round in the first fight was because he knew he had a limited gas tank. So it's kind of like that Burns fight for uh, for Usman where the guy just yeah. came out and went for it, went for his win condition right away. He's like, I'm just going to hammer these things that I know that should work and are important for me to win. I'm just going to do it now because uh, now or never. And because he knew he, he couldn't sustain any sort of pace over five rounds, he could hang, but he couldn't, you know, push whatever he wanted his win to be. Uh, same with Burns. But in this fight, it was like, okay, I'm prepared for longer, a longer fight. But it almost seemed like he wanted to conserve his energy because he was still scared of getting tired with Usman. Because I felt like maybe just the feel he was getting in those clinch and wrestling situations later on, or even early, he's like, he knows, like, it, once his muscles are tired, he's not going to be able to win those and he's going to run out of time. Uh, to try to win the fight, so he let the fight come to him, but not as good defensively as he thought he was. And uh, I do think that when you talk about the wrestling being a factor and a knockout or, or a, a big punch landing, you have to be specific because that's just you're not saying anything if you just said the wrestling. <laughs> um, come on. 
but <laughs> Usman does a lot of level changing combinations. Uh, he he has a long rear straight. He throws the body that can be blended into a snatch single. He was showing level changes in place. He was throwing body jabs. He was showing a lot of long outside level changing uh, looks, and that says, okay, he's he's coming for my leg. He's coming for my leg, and you got to be able to pull the leg back and push out and you know, respond to wrestling. Because even though Masvidal did eventually limp leg out and kick out of uh, the one time that Usman did that to him, it's still like, okay, this guy could get my leg and put me on the cage, and we could be wrestling, and I don't, I don't want to lose time like that. So especially early when you can really – start to you know get off on the right foot so i think that that kind of freaked him out a little bit and made him uh worse reactively uh on the defense would you agree with that yeah i would i mean you could see from the beginning of the fight i mean another thing was usman was uh, hitting him hard on the counter so masvidal couldn't really do a ton uh to put any sort of pace on usman early uh we saw in the first fight as you mentioned masvidal was doing a ton of like really hard kicking punching off the kicks uh, just trying to kill Usman as quick as he could, like Burns, but except Burns had like a specific read, probably informed by their training, and is probably like a bigger pure puncher. Masvidal didn't have that, but it was still probably his best shot to like have a decent performance. Uh, where here, I think he kind of defaulted to, I am also a good volume fighter over the distance, so I should just do my thing uh, and exist down the stretch and hopefully find a big shot, which isn't the way to fight Usman if you're not straight up better than him. Uh, and at welterweight, I'm not sure anyone's straight up better than him. Um, so Masvidal, I mean, the fact that Masvidal had that proven to him and he still approached the fight this way is a pretty decent indictment in my opinion. Uh, like if you just attribute all of that to cardio and not Masvidal struggling with the ring craft and struggling with uh, the clinch, then it's, it's raises some questions with his camp and ATT has had some struggles with that in the past. But uh, beyond that, yeah, I'd say Masvidal struggled a lot with the level changing of uh, Usman. We saw um, Masvidal's Reactions start to decay, for, like even from the first round, Usman was playing off those level changes. And uh, by the end, I think Masvidal mentioned that in the finish, that he thought a shot was coming and just got blasted with the long right hand. Uh, it was a pretty nice finish from Usman, where he uh, showed the left hook, used it as a hand trap, swatted it away, and just bombed uh, Masvidal down the middle. It was one of the best shots that Usman's ever thrown. And um, I don't really know if... Uh, if they're going to keep being discriminatory towards Leon, I don't think there's another competitive fight for Usman in the division in this form. Uh, he's growing more comfortable in exchanges, playing his wrestling off his striking, and uh, I don't know. It's a, it's an interesting fight. Yeah, I like I like Leon for him. Uh, I like Leon even more now after the Bilal Muhammad fight just because yeah. he, he was being aggressive, right? And, and he was kicking actively, and he was really pushing uh, his attack because of the southpaw double attack, so... That's what you need, right, for Usman. You can't, you can't wait on him. You can't just try to react to what he's doing and intercept him. You need to, to enforce something. And you don't necessarily need to push him back because he's not that insistent on pressuring, but you do need to attack him regularly. You need to score and try to break him down in some way. You know, legs and body work should be a good, a good idea. No one's really done that to him too much. Uh, yeah. at all yet. So I, I think, you know, he still has a shot. He probably has the best chance of not getting... Uh, beaten up in the clinch and wrestled a lot out of any of these contenders. Like yeah. you, you would say, people are gonna say Colby, but Colby is is worse defensively as a wrestler in a clincher than RDA, and Leon is better than both of them in that respect. Usman obviously the best in the division. Yeah, I mean it's also a thing where we saw it's tough to take a ton from the Bilal fight, right? Like you've seen some people say like Bilal beat him in the clinch, quote unquote, and it was like because he turned him around once. Yeah, it was like. <laughs> 
uh, Leon went for a takedown. Bilal got double underhooks, turned him, and landed an elbow. That was the only exchange that Bilal really clearly won. But on the other side, you can also see that Edwards is kind of paying more attention to his ring position. Uh, you could see him urgently angling off whenever Bilal entered with a jab. And um, the southpaw is interesting because I think we're also seeing Usman rely more on his long right hands. We're seeing Usman settle into kind of an orthodox pressuring role, which might be decent for uh, for Leon. And we're also kind of seeing Usman rely less on enforcing his cage advantage. It might be a, a little bit of a Whitman-specific thing where he's more comfortable fighting in space, but he's creating advantages in open space more than he used to when he was more reliant on pushing guys to the fence and then really imposing his game, right? That we saw against Burns, it was reliant on the jab. Against Masvidal, it was that takedown right-hand changeup. Against Leon, I'm not sure either of those is going to work quite as well because Leon as a southpaw can sort of hand fight the jab away. He can compete in the clinch where he doesn't need to be as reactive with uh, with the takedown. And uh, he's a better counterpuncher than Masvidal and Burns. So it's going to be trickier for Usman to follow this sort of new-ish process. The question is whether this is something that like Usman needs to do, like it's a change that he's made or it's an option, which is another thing that we kind of had with like Gaethje, right? With uh, with Whitman, where we're like, is he going back foot because he wants to, or is he going back foot because it's just this is just who he is now? And it's been too short since the first Masvidal fight for me to say Usman can't play the pressure guys to the fence and hold them against the fence and beat them on, in the clinch game. I don't think that's the case, but I think it's interesting that Usman is moving away from that, and I think it gives Leon a little bit more of a shot. Um, it's a very interesting fight. I'd say it's easily the most interesting fight for Usman in the division right now. It's, it's going to be such a good fight, dude. It's going to be really yeah. good. Colby is not it, in my opinion. I've no. seen a lot of people... like The opening here. odds for uh, Usman Colby are like minus 300. I kind of think that's narrow. Um, we've seen Usman get hurt before against Burns, but Colby isn't that guy. Uh, his Pretty much his only edge in the fight is like comfort in exchanges, and that's like raw comfort, not even being better there, as we saw in the first fight. Colby's like willing to keep throwing and uh, Usman just hits him very hard several times um, and backs him up. The body work crippled him in the first fight and uh, Usman can just do what he did near the end of the fight. Pressure, punch. Yeah, just do that right away. (laughs) Yeah. Like, we're seeing Usman settle into that role and it's going to work out well. Yeah. I mean, like, Masvidal had the check hook on the back foot and he had, like, his counter jab and stuff like that. Colby really doesn't have anything. Yeah. On the back foot, there was nothing stopping Usman from walking him down and throwing on him, but he didn't really push it until the end when he's like, "Okay, time to finish him," and then he did what he could have done the whole time. It's like, okay, like you, you definitely laid the groundwork. You beat him up a lot. You beat his his body up. He was vulnerable, but you you probably could have really pushed that advantage sooner. Um, but you know, maybe he'll know next time if there is a next time. But I'm hoping that, well. They, they say, right? They say that it's going to be Colby. So, if it is Colby, well, whatever. It's another win for Usman, but I don't, I don't really need to see it. Um, really, it's just the Wonder Boy and, and Leon. We just talked about the Leon fight. I think it's great. The Wonder Boy fight, I think it's less good than people think. Um, you, you think of like the distance between them being so much more than it's going to be. Uh, consider that Usman's reach is pretty crazy. Uh, and that he can get to your legs very, very easily. So he really doesn't need to pressure that hard. Um, so you talk about him not being this kind of pressure fighter, not being good for Wonder Boy, or like if he does try to pressure, that being good for Wonder Boy. 
it doesn't matter. He's I think he's going to be able to get to his singles in space, and it doesn't matter if he finishes them or not. He can just push him straight back and put him on the cage, and he's not he's not going to do well there. Uh, maybe a little bit early, but he's it's just not going to work out. <laughs> I don't think. Yeah. Um, and Usman's got that that great chin, so even if he does get hit a little bit on the way in or to whatever he's doing, I still think he's going to be able to do do his Usman thing if he has to. I don't think he's going to outstrike him. But I also think uh, that's that's a straightforward enough matchup where I would trust him to be a grappler and a wrestler first and not being like, I'm going to outstrike Wonder Boy. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's the kind of fight where if Usman were worse at open space takedowns, I'd be kind of worried for him because in the big cage and with Wonder Boy being able to like really exploit guys being uncomfortable against him, that's like one of the few flaws that we've seen with Usman even now, right? Like in exchanges, his reactions are kind of weird and you can tell that he's not like the most... Um, He's getting better there, but he's also not the most... He doesn't really want to be there as much as uh, other fighters do. And if Wonder Boy starts, you know, just walking around and punching him, you could see Usman having to work through it, but then Usman can just shoot at this point. Like, the Usman that exists and not the one who's not good at open space takedowns can just sort yeah. of snatch singles and dump him. Um, and Wonder Boy still has to get through Gilbert Burns, which is a fight that I think Wonder Boy should win, but it's also reasonably compelling, so... Oh, I forgot you booked that. When is that for? It's for the Connor card, July 10th. Okay, that's soon enough. Um, no. Yeah, we'll see if they make it. <laughs> I mean, it's annoying because both Wonder Boy, um, or rather both Usman reasonable opponents are booked for the near future, so they can just like turn Usman around super quick and be like, hey, it's Colby, no one else is available, when they're not available because they're in like kind of, at least Leon is in a completely useless fight that he shouldn't be in. So, I don't know. Uh... Welterweight's always been a weird division, very static, very... Uh, the pecking order is not really real, but uh, I don't think there's any question that Usman's the clear number one, and mm -hmm. uh, he's going to be a, a tough guy to topple for the near future. That's right. Were there any prelims that stood out to you as someone was impressive, someone's worth looking at in the future, good fight, anything like that? Uh, let's see. I mean, Batgirl got a quick um, knockout. Dana, Dana Batgirl? Yeah, that was cool. He uh, sort of shifted on the back foot, slipped a shot, and left. Uh, hit him with the left hand. Natividad, uh, I don't really know if he was any good. I know he got knocked out off a glove grab by Miles Johns, so uh, nothing to really say there. Um, oh, the, the story of the prelims was all the Chinese talent being kind of uh, unsuccessful. Um... Uh, Rong Zhu looking like a kind of worse man Al Cape where he couldn't really pressure a lead, so he just wanted guys to walk into him to counter. Uh, Eric uh, Lang versus Jeff Molina was actually really fun. I don't know if Molina's one to really watch just because um, Lang is kind of completely absent defensively. Uh, did a lot of pressuring, tried to counterpunch early, but then Molina just put combinations on him. Lang gassed, and uh, his defense disappeared. Um... Sabatini Connolly might be one that's interesting because Pat Sabatini looked his top game looked really good, uh, did a lot of fun wrestling things. Struggled late in the fight just because Connolly seems to be like a secret five round fighter apparently, uh, who can't win in three rounds. But um, yeah, I don't really know if there were a ton of interesting prelims. Those are probably it. Cool. Um, before we get into upcoming events, previews. Uh... Let's talk about the thing that's happening right now, which is one. 
they've been doing these Wednesday night fights, and we always record as they're happening. <laughs> so I have no idea what's going on. But uh, we we said there wasn't really too much to look at. But Aoki won, obviously. Um, he's, he, that's a rematch of a fight he already won. Um, Rugrug is fighting right now. I don't know how well he's doing, but if it's if it's really good, maybe we'll discuss in the future. Uh, Eddie Alvarez is getting another another fight, uh, which is Winter nice. Around. He's fighting a, a Korean fella who I don't know, uh, but I guess he beat Gafarov, uh, the Korean guy did, because that was it was it was supposed that to was be the, the winner, yeah. the winner of the two. And then uh, Angla Nsang, I don't know how to pronounce that, but he has to fight the guy that beat him in his last fight, unfortunately. Um, so <laughs> there's a lot of weird, weird matchmaking on this one, but yeah, we can report on that later. And, uh, yeah, on Thursday, two days from tomorrow, tomorrow, yeah, it's tomorrow, jeez. uh, <laughs> yeah, tomorrow, uh, pretty interesting PFL card. We had a video come out today, uh, from our boy Julian about Roy McDonald and his progression and his strengths and his weaknesses and what's changing and how is he getting worse and things like that. Um, he's had a pretty interesting career. He's fighting Curtis Millinder, who's pretty dangerous and a striker, but, uh, like barely knows how to wrestle, Nothing I feel like, grappler. and does yeah. not have any grappling. So that, that's the kind of fight that Rory still wins in my opinion. Probably. I mean, Curtis Millinder is, so the thing about Curtis Millinder is that he was really known for like big knees and stuff. And he hit that one cool head kick, I think, but he's also obsessed with walk-off knockouts. That's like all I know about him. Uh, beat Tiago Alves, but when Alves was like 4,000 years old, so there's that. Uh, got wrestled by Max Griffin at some point, so, you know, some weird showings in his career. Uh, Rory doesn't really look like he loves fighting anymore, which is fine. He's had a long career, and people kind of put expectations on him that were, like, really unreasonable in retrospect. Uh, he was a really good fighter, and now he's just kind of losing his durability and not looking great. But, yeah, he should win this. Uh, are you looking at the rest of the card? Yeah, I am. I mean, you've probably seen what I've seen. That there's a lot of recognizable names, a few of those names being people I'm interested in, yeah. but not a lot of fights where I'm like, oh, good fight. You know what I mean? Yeah, I know. Um, Antonio Carlos Jr. making his PFL debut, which is he's had some fun grappling moments. Um, what was his? Was the last fight Heinish? Oh, it was Tavares. Yeah, he's had two fights since Heinish. Oh, the the off. fight where uh, Tavares was dubbed uh, better or, or a Whitaker tier <laughs> anti wrestler in a fight where he had to defend a lot of wrestling. Yeah, it's uh, ACJ isn't the best wrestler. He's a really fun grappler, and we saw him do like a fucking a hammerlock sweep on Heinish, I think. But um, under the right circumstances, he's cool to watch. Filthy Tom Lawler. I didn't know he was still fighting, honestly. But. Um, yeah, I he think he's just showing up at this point. He got a yeah, he, he took a he he lost to uh, Duran Win when Duran Win was first of all a light heavyweight and Ooh. also like in the beginning and also just like a prospect. It was like his fourth or fifth fight and lost lost to him. So I don't yeah, think he's really three there years anymore. Since he's last fought, jeez, was that was Duran Win his last fight? Yeah, Duran Win on November twenty fourth, twenty eighteen. So. Yeah, that's not good. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, so ACJ probably takes it just because Lawler is old and has fought once in like five years. Um, Cesar Fajeda fighting. I don't know whether he's fought too much. I know Nick Rorick just because he lost to Jared Cannonier that one time. Um, Cannonier front kicked him and then elbowed him from like a half guard crucifix thing. So not much of a game. Fajeda is like super fragile but can grapple. So mm-hmm. I don't really know. Uh, Ray Cooper the third versus Jason Panette. I don't really know Panette. I've seen Ray Cooper before. 
uh, Gleason Tebow fighting. I think was his last fight the Will Brooks one. Yes, it was. It was, that was a while ago. Will Brooks. Yeah, uh, July 2019. I thought I was wrong again because that was a really long time ago. But, mm-hmm. Yeah, big, not as juiced as he used to be, but still pretty juiced. Do you know anything about uh, Nikolai Alexakhin? I think it's pronounced. Uh, yeah, he boxed up Ben Askren for a little bit, didn't he? Oh, back in 2016. I don't remember that at all. Yeah, uh, it was one of those fights where Ben Askren won because he's like a good wrestler, obviously, but also didn't look particularly great on the feet. Um, Alexakhin did some things and then got wrestled. So, you know, I don't really know if that means he's good. It might just mean he's, like, baseline decent at striking, but... He know. picked up some wins over people that aren't terrible, uh, like Mike Graves, uh, Silverio, um, Jesse Ronson. Those guys are all fine, uh, but doesn't seem like a lot of wrestlers and grapplers in the mix there besides Graves, who isn't that good of a wrestler. Um, and I think the guy, his opponent, is a striker, so he should win. He's probably a good striker. Like you said, he boxed up Askren, which, I mean, <laughs> everyone did. But, sure. yeah, that's the only other thing that stands out in this card to me that might be of interest. Okay. So, yeah, anything else to say about that? I think this is the card that? that Konchenko fell off, right? Who was he supposed oh, to Oh, did fight? he? Yeah. I don't know. I mean, it's kind of okay just because I want Konchenko to sign somewhere where they'll reliably give him five-round fights. But um, it's three rounds, so it might actually he might actually win fights here. I don't know. Quick, uh, before we uh, do this upcoming UFC card, a uh, quick shout-out to Juice to the Gills, who had that request for <laughs> for that Patreon topic discussion on, on the meta of, like, grappling and wrestling and MMA. That was, that was like, over a month ago, probably. And we recorded it for the... Uh, it must have been a long time ago, because we recorded it for the post-fight with the, the Izzy, Yan, and Yan Sterling oh, card. Yeah. Uh, and that one was lost, and then... We couldn't get Ryan back in the podcast because the schedule's crazy. And I'm like, okay, Ryan, at this point, just record it on your own. And this was last week. And he said, okay, I'll do it on Sunday. And then yesterday I messaged him like, hey, did you did you do it? And no, he didn't do it. So he said, this weekend for sure, I'm going to take off work on Sunday and I'm going to do it on Sunday. So just, so just so you know, this is like 98% Ryan's fault. And the percent of it that isn't Ryan's fault is just my fault for deciding that ryan need to to be a part of it i mean it's actually my fault for screwing up the first recording so oh can, that's not to go around. yeah that was an act of god what are you gonna do <laughs> but uh yeah thank you for staying with us during this tumultuous time mm-hmm. these trying times can we offer you a nice egg <laughs> these trying times uh anyway that's what the ufc is doing with this card <sighs> bit of an egg it's not bad like eggs are fine but like it, it's still an egg it's a well-prepared egg, bland, but uh, worth eating. I like mine soft-boiled. I don't really eat eggs by themselves, so I guess this is like an egg in a cake. Can you eat eggs if you're a vegetarian? As, like a, as long as you're not a vegan, you can eat eggs, right? Yeah, I think I had to start for like a health issue when I was a kid, so there's that. I but, see. Uh, not really my choice. Eating eggs? Uh, yeah. Well, this is for your health then. <laughs> I'm sorry, vegans. <laughs> but, um, yeah, this is... The egg card, Dominic Reyes versus Jury, um, um, Yuri Prochaska. I'm just pronouncing it phonetically. Let's just I say Yuri like and right. not even attempt yeah. his last name. Probably fair. Uh, fun fight. I expect it to be relatively exciting for a light heavyweight. Um, 
Reyes beat John Jones after a long unbeaten streak and then lost the light heavyweight belt to uh, Jan Blachowicz. That is the mm-hmm. timeline that we are in currently. Yes. Um, Yuri beat Volkan Uzdemir after a decent tenure as the Ryzen champion. So he's a lot of fun. I mean, we've seen people have like... He's one of the more polarizing fighters I've seen among smart people where some people are like, he has layers of defense and he's really, really good and I'm not really seeing it. But he's also fairly functional for the things that he's trying to do, if that makes sense. Um, I can easily see him really flustering Dominic Reyes at this point, just because I think we all expected Reyes to be a little bit stronger on the counter than he actually was. Um, But it's a competitive fight. Yeah, I think what people get confused about, because they can't understand nuance, they can't think, you know, in the abstract. Uh, So let me break it down for you. There, there are meme fighters, right? We talked about meme fighters before. People who don't win in conventional ways. That the way that they win shouldn't really work, and it's kind of silly, and it's just for fun. That's a meme fighter, right? Um, yeah. Johnny Walker, athletic meme fighter. Everything he does is gimm- gimmicky or or just bad, um, right? Whereas yeah. Yuri is someone who has a lot of good ideas. It is pretty athletic. It's pretty physical. But his execution is just off the walls jank. It's like an insanely jank execution. But you know what? There are a lot of guys like that who we like that are actually pretty good. Where they, They're doing all the right things that we like. They're just doing them in a weird way that could be considered bad. Um, but, you know, that's that's okay. For MMA, like, if you're going to obsess over mechanics and stuff like that, just you know, go home. Because uh, very few fighters have really good mechanics in a lot of different areas. Yeah, I mean, it's not a comparison that really works, but someone else like that is Joseph Benavides, who a lot of people just look at and they're like, Man, this oh. is the second Joseph Benavides comparison that I've been a part of this week that's going to make people angry because I was <laughs> talking about Kelvin. And yeah, oh. yeah. I don't, I'm not even going to explain myself. People are going to have to listen to the episode to figure out why I said that. But Yeah, I'm going to have to go look at that. That's tricky. It's on the Patreon bonus episode too, so you got to go subscribe to the, the oh, Heavy yeah, Hands Patreon. That. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to go take a look at that for sure. So there you go. Um, but, yeah, I mean, there are fighters like Joseph Benavides, right, who you look at and they're like, he looks sloppy and bad, but then if you look at the context in which he's doing these things, it pretty much always has a reason for why he's doing them. Um, and sometimes that can fail, but, you know, when it fails, it looks really bad, and it almost looked really bad for uh, Yuri against Vulcan, where he got, like, check-hooked several thousand times by Vulcan in the first round. But uh, when it works, it's reasonably reliable, and you can tell that they're really thinking about what they're doing. Uh, Reyes is a fight where it has the potential to look really bad, because Jan Blachowicz, for all that we've talked about his own mechanics, he's getting better at setting up his blitzes and uh, working off them. I'm not sure Yuri's the same kind of fighter, where he knows how to temper his personality, if that makes sense. He was pretty much swarming Vulcan the entire fight, where uh, Jan was sort of setting his up with kicks on the outside, and not really throwing off Reyes' counters, but at least being in a stance a lot of the time. Um, where Yuri's pretty much always doing weird shifty things, trying to contain his opponent's offense, but also just being pathologically aggressive. Uh, I'm not sure that's the kind of guy to beat Reyes, but I'm also not sure I can trust Reyes not to get flustered under that kind of circumstance, where he was pretty mm-hmm. easily flustered by Jan, Blachow- Jan Blachowicz. Yeah. Well, that's kind of, it's, it's a totally different matchup, so it's hard to say. But yeah, we do yeah. know that Reyes... Uh, is capable of doing well on the back foot and, and is potent there and you know, can kick with people and, and has some range, uh, at least with his lower body. 
Um, his build is insane and ridiculous. But <laughs> Salamander. I'm, I, I, I picked him on heavy hands. I'm going to go ahead and pick him again. I uh, just... He, he he should be able to win this one. I mean, it, this is like impossible to predict just because Yuri is uh, so outside the box and yeah. a bit unpredictable, and you don't really know how well it's going to work because he, he definitely sacrifices uh, a bit and, and knows he has to take damage, and do, you just can't say whether or not that's going to work. Um, but you know, maybe it'll be similar to the Ustamir fight where you know it's not doing so well early, but then uh, you know when the guy, other guy starts to break down or gas or wilt or just get discouraged, and then he can he can put on the the pressure and uh, get to more favorable situations. Yeah, I think this is kind of an ugly fight for Yuri, win or lose early. Um, we've seen Reyes look decent on the counter before. It's just that I'm not sure how much of a natural counterpuncher he is. When uh, like Jan Blachowicz, for all I like him at this point, like all the changes that he's made to his game, he's really easy to counterpunch when he's doing his thing. Whenever he like throws more than one punch in combination, he's like always squaring up and moving right into his opponent. Um, Gustafson took advantage of that with the reactive takedowns. It's not really that much of a leap to say a strong counterpuncher should be able to, um, to take advantage of the same thing. And Reyes pretty much didn't. Uh, all of his work was like kicking on the lead and uh, nothing else. I don't think you know if he landed like a clean punch in that fight. So it's tough to trust someone coming off that. And I think it's uh, our friend Haxerized who mentioned it. Reyes made some weird camp changes after the Jones quote-unquote loss. I think he went back to train with his family and then it went kind of badly in the Jan fight. So I don't really know whether he's rectified that. Uh, Yuri's just a tough uh, fighter to deal with when you have such, um, when your composure's under doubt, if that makes sense. Because, uh, you know, even if he takes a couple shots, we've seen he's stupidly durable. He took like a, a bunch of really clean shots against Ozdemir and just walked through them. Um, I don't know, I don't, I think I'll go with Yuri, but uh, I don't really know if his ceiling in the division is much higher than Reyes. And Reyes might be able to actually make a turnaround that gets him wins over better fighters. Well, it's Reyes' ceiling in the division him. was champion of the world because he beat John Jones. So yeah, if you're saying his ceiling isn't much higher, much higher than champion, <laughs> that's not really a knock. That's true, but also Reyes beating Jones didn't make him close to being the best in the division. So there's that. True. Pretty uh, much like beating Michael Bisping as my middleweight champ at this point. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> Ruberg lost, and not only did he lose, but he was like apparently he was gassing and something happened that was questionable and he decided that he was very injured by it and everyone thinks he was faking and, and acting and pretending to be injured and then they uh, they called it a TKO loss so <laughs> I think he nice. was trying to get a DQ or something and, and or like a break maybe he wasn't super familiar with the rules and instead he got TKO'd by it so never mind on him. Okay, it looks like Rug, uh, <laughs> the guy punched Rugrug in the throat and gets the TKO at the end of the round. So, uh, yeah, that looks nasty. I mean, I don't think anyone expected Rugrug, like, Rugrug gassing is not something that's surprising given the way that he fought the last one. But, uh, yeah, I guess that sucks. People liked him. Womp womp. All right, back to this card. Uh, Cub Swanson <laughs> is fighting Giga Chikadze, and that is pretty cool. Um, Cub Swanson is super dope, uh, really creative striker. It does all the things that we like, hits the body, changes levels, uh, has a variety of things he does. He, he actually kicks. Yeah. Um, he, yeah, he, he's an MMA fighter, so there's, there's a decent amount of flying things that don't really need to be there. Um, you know how it is. But also in transitions, he like hits sick, uh, like feet to back headlocks and, um, he'll, he'll go like with that wizard hip toss and does a lot of cool things, uh judo wise and uh i believe he is a black belt 
in jiu-jitsu, and he's looked pretty decent uh, with his top game in, in many, many fights in the past. So I'm not sure how physically there he is. Uh, obviously less than a few years yeah. ago, but like how, how much less. And Giga's a fighter that I'm not going to say it's a forgiving matchup just because, I mean, if he hits he's really hard. He's young. Yeah, he's, he's big, he's young, he can hit hard. Um, he's, he's accurate, he's pretty sharp. So, like, yeah, you could get dead. Um, but it's also not someone who's going to, like, Alexander Hernandez you. And, like, if you just cannot have the reaction time to deal with, like, a young athletic person trying to bulldoze you, uh, that's those are the times where, like, your oldness really gets exploited. So um, he's going to have to actually, like, be in this fight, which is should make it fun, I think. Yeah, I mean, I've seen a lot of people say Swanson has, like, a decent conditioning advantage here. Uh, I'm not sure how much of that's going to, like, manifest in a three-round fight, but that's a big criticism people have had of Chikadze, that he slows down or generally fights at a slow pace, which, as you mentioned, means that Swanson's, um, at this point, kind of inevitable physical limitations are probably going to be limited a little bit. Uh, And another point in his favor is that Daniel Pineda looked like a lightweight when Swanson Swanson fight him. Uh, Admittedly, it was more in terms of, like, thickness and power rather than Chikadze being, like, super tall and long. So that might be something different, but uh, Swanson can overcome a physicality disadvantage even now. Uh, yeah, not a ton to say. I mean, Swanson's chin has been kind of variable in recent fights, where he got dropped by a jab from Moicano and then immediately won three rounds with Burgos, like getting hit a decent amount in that fight with like clean uppercuts and still getting there. So who knows? I think he's probably still the craftier striker here. We've seen Chikazi like Chikazi has a reputation of glory kickboxer, but he's not super interesting. Uh, we've seen him beat up Omar Morales, but also that fight was like his only impressive performance in the UFC that was against someone decent. Uh, he knocked out a short-notice guy who was way smaller than him, so that's why he's ranked. Uh, that and two featherweights getting pulled out of the rankings, Stevenson's a beat. So, I don't know, it's an interesting fight. I think if Swanson can... Uh, we've seen Swanson beat longer guys before. He's tough to deal with on the outside. Uh, he's a decent offensive boxer when he gets his game. It's just that... Uh, He's limitable by a bunch of different guys, and I'm not sure Giga just being big is going to do that. Uh, I don't know. I'll probably go with Giga just on, like, presumption, but I'm not a big fan of him, and I think Swanson is a lot more exciting, and I hope he pulls it out. I concur, Doctor. Um, I'm going to... Do you mind if I skip uh, Lapa and Jacoby? I don't mind at all. Do you want to speak briefly about Strickland? I don't really have anything to say about him. Uh, Strickland's like a fun offensive boxer, but like mechanically really gross. Um, does a lot of fun things off his jab, can punch in combination. Uh, I've seen him counter before. It's not really something that he loves doing. Uh, Jotko is kind of formless. He's a wrestler, I think, but not like super great at it. I think this is a fight that Strickland should win, but I don't have a ton to say. The next fight's more interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I like the next fight. Uh, what's yeah. what's your read on, on Marab and Stamen? I ranted about it a decent amount this week already. I don't have a great one just because I don't really know a ton about how the wrestling matches up. I think Stamen's a solid wrestler, and Marab is kind of... He's a good wrestler for sure. He's a great takedown artist, doesn't really bother with top control. I think the Dodson fight was reasonably concerning for both... Well, it was very concerning for John Dodson, but it was reasonably concerning for Marab in terms of, like... Dawson not doing anything and Marab still struggling to get like a substantive lead. 
Uh, I think that's a lot of what Marab does. He needs guys to like concede his wrestling sort of fight to win. And um, Stamen might do that. We saw Stamen like hold uh, Jimmy Rivera against the fence for a couple rounds. And uh, that kind of grindy fight is what I expect. And in that case, I kind of expect Marab to get the decision. But I think Stamen's definitely the better striker. You talked about it in uh, one of your articles, I think, after the Kelleher fight. Uh, Stamen's fairly solid as a boxer, especially at mixing it with his wrestling. We've still yet to see, I think, Marab as a defensive wrestler. I don't know if anyone's really tried that against him. So Stamen might be able to get some work off there. Uh, I don't know. I think I expect it to be kind of slow and annoying to watch in some respects. But uh, I think the winner is in a good place to get a bigger fight. Yeah, yeah, I think it's definitely they're being set up for a, a top five-ish type of matchup. I think they're going to jump up pretty quick. Yeah, um, yeah. one of the bigger fights. Some people might not think of Cody Stamen as, as a decent boxer because he lost to Rivera, but if you think that, then you don't know that Jimmy Rivera is yeah. one of the best boxers in the UFC, um, also the division. <laughs> so it, it was just a rough matchup for him, someone he definitely could not wrestle because Rivera is really, really hard to wrestle. And someone who's a better fighter than him in general. So it's it was a tough matchup. But I think Marab's a good matchup for him. It's interesting. I, I, it's like Marab is, is all process and like two tools. And Cody Stamen has a lot of tools and a lot of competencies, but nothing, no real focus process. He just, you know, he, he has a game. He, he can he can definitely, you know, put, put a pace on somebody or like, you know, pick out a certain way he wants to strike with them. But it's not like he has this like really clear win condition of, I'm going to do this to you. And he just hammers it and, and pushes it really strong like Marab does. But Marab being limited in the way he is when he matches up with somebody who can deal with the things that he does, I think he's going to be in for a rough look. And it's like Dodson could deal with the wrestling for the most part, but he couldn't deal with the volume of his approach. Um, yeah. and wasn't doing enough in between all the successes he was having defensively, whereas Stamen is someone that can, you know, is comfortable just, you know, working behind his jab, level changing, you know, his two to the body, two head, you know, left hook off that, like, you know, just normal, normal boxing combinations. He's a good outside kicker. Um, he's, he's from uh, Darren Cruikshank's gym, and he's like the less dynamic but more competent and a little bit more put-together physically version of Cruikshank. Um, Same level with the sidekick. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they're both they're both karate wrestlers, which is a cool archetype, honestly. For sure. Um, but yeah, he, he's really competent in a lot of areas. And if you watch like the Aljamain Sterling fight, I think you'll be surprised by how competitive most of those wrestling exchanges were. It's really just when he got put out of position when they're against the cage, and just a couple opportune moments from Aljo that really turned things. And then Aljo's obviously got a really great top game, and and that didn't work out so well for Stamen. And I think when you're the better wrestler most of the time. You're not as used to working off your back, and you're just not going to be good on bottom. Um, it, it happens. But, yeah, I, I think he's a good matchup to expose Marab a little bit. I, I don't think Marab necessarily needs to be exposed because he's not super different than the guy he was last time he lost. So, like, you know, yeah. we're already there. But some people need to be reminded of the limitations of his game. I don't hate him or anything. It's just annoying how people overrate him sometimes. So I'd like Stamen to win. I think Stamen's pretty good. And I'd like to see him move up in the division and, and see if he can continue to improve. Um, I think he cuts a lot of weight. So that really good performance he had against Kelleher was that featherweight. Um, so I don't know if that impacts things or not, but I don't know. We'll see what happens. Yeah, I'm pretty sure Rivera was also at featherweight because it was on like four days notice. Mm-hmm. So 
He looked like himself in both fights. Rivera's even bigger than he is. Yeah, Rivera's <laughs> chunky. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that's kind of the weird thing about dealing with Marab is that a lot of people have seen people make the comparison of Colby Covington, and I think it makes a certain level of sense. It's just that I think people kind of overestimate the level of dynamism it takes to take them off their games. Like, um, okay, I'll put it a different way. It takes a good amount of dynamism to take them off their games, but it doesn't take the same amount to defeat them. Uh, we saw it in RDA Covington where RDA was able to just deal with the things that Covington brought and beat him there. And Stamen isn't the same sort of fighter necessarily, but I think Stamen can uh, sort of make Marab's wrestling look a little bit less imposing than it did against, like, Gustavo Lopez. Um, and even in, in fights like uh, Frankie Sands, uh, Dvalishvili struggled to really impose his wrestling in a substantive way, where he got outstruck in the middle, and I don't really think he's any less vulnerable to that now than he used to be. Uh, we saw in the Dodson fight that Dodson pretty much landed whenever he wanted to. Um, it's just that he didn't really want to land all that much, where all of his offense was like, rear hands to the body and literally nothing else once around. So just dot some things. And as you mentioned, Stamen's probably more likely to take advantage of the um, the space that he gets. It's just it's tough to see people beating Marab super decisively when he has such an optics advantage over most fighters, where, you know, sitting and rear standing against the fence or holding guys in the clinch tends to score really, really highly. And the Frankie Science fight is like the one time it's been defied in MMA. So if uh, if Stamen can like reliably frustrate Valishvili's wrestling, it's something where I think Valishvili eventually starts um, trying to find something different. It's just that it's taken more to get into that point than most fighters. He's just pure, as you mentioned, he's pure process even if something isn't working. Mm -hmm. I think that's pretty enough thoughts for that fight, do you think? Yeah. Anything else here? Um, I think some individual fighters catch my attention but not the yeah. fights themselves like uh, uh gabriel benitez mowgli he's a good kicker and he kicks very hard and he's just a good uh he's better from open stance right he's a better like southpaw double attack guy yeah i'm pretty sure his last fight was the james fight right he did some fun kicking things there mm -hmm. uh uppercut him on entries which was uh, that eventually led to the finish uh he's decent very hard kicker i think he does the open stance double attack but um not really a ton to say. Uh, Lomo Lukbumi is someone that, if we didn't mention, I know someone who would never forgive us. Um, so, she's fun for women's MMA. I don't know anything about Sam Hughes, but uh, Lomo's one of the more pure um, Muay Thai people in MMA as a whole. Does a lot of fun Muay Thai clinch stuff and works off the teep. Not as great as a boxer, so that's something that could be exploited and somewhat undersized for any division in uh, the UFC. But, um, generally does some interesting things when she's in there win or lose even against angela hill she had some fun looks in the clinch so there's something uh anyone else i mean i've pretty much given up on luke sanders ever being a thing i saw luke sanders once in the gym <laughs> i was on a, a a trip to visit someone in los angeles and i went to uh, anthony hardong's gym dynamics mma um there's actually a video of that practice on youtube i was there i have proof and uh, yeah, he walked into the gym and I'm like, man, he's wearing little bike shorts. I'm like, Jesus Christ, look <laughs> at his legs. And then I didn't get to watch him train at all. So that's my Luke Sanders story. Very interesting, I know. Um, but yeah, he uh, he's pretty good. Um, well, for like a guy that you don't know, like that no one knows, and like yeah. he hasn't had much success, he's actually pretty good. Um, just you know, 
stocky athletic guy who trains under a Dutch striker. You know, those guys all turn out to be decently solid. Um, definitely dangerous. It's funny because he, uh, he can be pretty, pretty good in, in a lot of like pocket boxing situations, like throws a two, three, like pretty comfortably and, and hard and can kick on the outside and, and has some basic competencies, but he did get countered in the pocket by, um, uh, Sukumtot, Sukumtot, which, which yeah. is like, wow, <laughs> he doesn't do that to anybody. Um, <laughs> uh, and then the Burrell fight, it was like Burrell looking really good, right? And then he got killed. Yeah, yeah Burrell pretty much 10 ate him with kicks in the first round and then gassed because he used Burrell in like 20, I think that was 2019. So old Burrell in any case. Uh, and then Sanders just punched him in the head with like a, a straight and Burrell's reflexes and gas was just gone. So Sanders is just one of those guys who it's like, it's tricky to trust him to win. We've seen him uh, lose. I think he won the first round against Sukumtot. Uh, he beat the crap out of Uriel Alcantara before getting knee barred, which uh, was for about three seconds, the best comeback of that event. Um, yeah, I mean, there aren't a ton of interesting fighters on this event, so he's one of the more interesting fighters. Uh, Kai Kamaka looked like a reasonably grappleable fighter, but he had that really fun fight with um, Kelly, right? That's didn't he wrestle a lot in his last fight? Uh, I think he got wrestled, didn't he? Hmm. No way to know. Let's see. <laughs> I remember he got... I think Jonathan Pierce was the one who beat him. Which uh, I don't think many people expected because Pierce was off that Lozon loss and Kamaka was off the, uh, the Kelly win. But yeah, Jonathan Pierce TKO'd him in round two. I think Kamaka gassed um, this isn't coconut bombs, is it? Who's coconut bombs? Coconut bombs is Patolo, I think. That's the guy who wrestled. I've never seen yeah. this person fight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I think we. Um, he had that really fun fight on the um, the pay per view in the summer, but uh, I think that's worth watching. Other than that, uh, not a ton to say. Nope. Yeah, this event isn't. It's the egg. It's the egg. It is an egg. I'm gonna I'm gonna be fine with it. I'll yeah. eat it. I'd eat, I'd eat it again in a heartbeat. But you know, it's not really a much of a gesture. It's like here is a card that's halfway put together. It's a fight night. There you go. And I'm like, all right, I guess so. But you know, you can do better. <laughs> yeah, I think a lot of their talent went to the Oliveira Chandler card, where that has Oliveira Chandler and Leon and Ferguson and Benny and Burgos and Barboza and like like in Hermans and Shabazian, and like there's a bunch of fun fights there. And um, this Man, card just... Hermans and Shabazian as a, as a fun fight. I mean, it's something that could have been like a build-up fight for I... other good fights on other Whatever cards. Whatever your justification is, I just think you uh, you shift your standards a lot, Shuram. Be I more mean, consistent. Compared to this egg of a card, that's something. <laughs> like how many fights are worse than Hermans and Shabazian on this card? This is the UFC strategy. They're trying to, to dull your senses and be like, oh, you'll, you'll, you'll watch anything, won't you? Look at all this terrible <laughs> TV we're putting on. Look at all these awful fights. Like, oh, you'll, you're going to be happy for Jack Hermanson versus Edmund Shabazian. There you go. And it worked. Mm, that's true. They've programmed you. I mean, on the plus side, I did mention Jacare, who's apparently also on that card, which I what? just completely missed. But, um, yeah, I think they put a lot of their, like, decent, fun talent on that card, and everything else is just, like, one-fight cards. Uh, Sanhagen-Dillashaw has a couple fun fights, but also Sanhagen-Dillashaw, the fight, has been scrapped. So, I don't know. Like, if Leon Diaz could have been a main event somewhere, 
Uh, Ferris and Daryush could have been a main event somewhere, but the fact that they've stacked the pay-per-view, is, it's, it's a really good thing. It's just that normally that would mean that, like, a couple years ago, there just wouldn't be this many cards. So they have to make it up somehow. Um, I think it's time to be over. What do you think? Yeah, I don't really have a ton to say. Yeah, well, there's a lot to, to see and hear and watch and listen to otherwise. Um, I, I would say the biggest thing about this week is that your article from the top five UFC fights of all time series is out. Indeed. Uh, what's it called? Uh, it's called Sowing and Reaping Robert Whitaker versus Yoel Romero 2. Sowing and Reaping. You know, setting yeah. traps. The Reaper. Yeah, the Reaper. Just came to me. Very nice. Very <laughs> nice. And a very nice article and a great fight. And the commentary video for that fight will be out this week as well, before the week is over, by Friday. How about that? Um, Other things to look out for, uh, the commentary video for the Eddie Alvarez-Justin Gaethje fight, which is the number five on our list. That article's out. That video's out. Check them out. Videos on Patreon. $3 to get access to all of our exclusive content on Patreon. There you go. (laughs) Other thing on Patreon this week from me is my my robbery thing i started that series that i talked about a couple times and i started with uh, jones reyes because it's reyes fighting this week and i also did uh johnson cejudo too because it's it's a robbery that's the big one yeah Yeah. so i watched them both and i uh it was was nice it was nice to actually like sit down read the unified rules of mma you know fresh freshen up on that and make sure i knew what i was talking about and luckily, I actually, <laughs> you know, not, you not, a, not a smart thing to do, but I recorded it before I did all that. I just, like, <laughs> knew the rules already from reading them the first time, for wh- however long ago it was ago, three years ago. Um, and then I I was right. After, after the commentary, I checked, and I, everything I said was true, so that was nice. But, yeah, it's, it's going to be a good learning experience for some people, even if you're not, like, a long-time fan who like never bothered to learn the rules maybe you're a newer fan who doesn't totally know what the scoring criteria is um i lay it out real clear for you and i can tell you exactly why those fights were scored incorrectly and what the judges were seeing and why they did that um yeah it's all it's all very logical and i go round by round and i talk about literally everything that happens uh that can be scored and it was it was pretty fun to only do two fights. It's definitely not going to be a series where I do a bunch of fights at a time just because the commentary is really intensive. Um, but yeah, I concluded that both of those fights were indeed robberies and uh, not really any way to dispute the score. Like, it was very clearly uh, at, at least, you know, first three rounds for Rice against Jones and at least first three rounds for DJ against Cejudo, and you can give more as well. And you're probably like, what? How did pseudo not win round two he was on top for a minute at the end just watch the video you know i'll tell yeah, you i was about to say you spoiled the whole thing but people have to know why yeah i'll tell you exactly why the, the reyes jones one is easy for people because yeah it was all striking and reyes outstruck him for three rounds and like there weren't any 10 eights up in that so it's impossible uh dj versus pseudo too you have to actually know the rules to know why that that yeah. wasn't a win for pseudo so there you go. Figure it out. Get, you know, go get some education from me. Get um, learned. I'll do, I'll do some more soon. I don't think it's a weekly series necessarily because I still want to do resume review and I don't want to do two series a week. That's uh, it's a lot, man. It's a commitment. But yeah, yeah. It's, t- it's too much work. And 
But yeah, check it out. And there's lots of other stuff to see. And uh, go to their website, thefightsite.com. Uh, and uh, yeah, pretty Seems much it, right? Yeah. Okay, Thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks for joining us. Uh, until next time, we'll talk about event results. And if Ryan isn't a liar, we'll have that, that <laughs> Patreon question on there, too. That's going to be awesome. So, uh, yeah, check it out. Okie dokie. Bye-bye.